0: Hebrews chapter 13, our verse, it's just one verse tonight, verse 7. Keep your Bibles handy because we'll be turning to a couple of other passages this evening. Children, here are your questions for this evening. First, what are the main leaders in your church called? Two, what are some very important things good leaders should have? Three, who is the best and most perfect leader for God's people ever? And four, how can you encourage the leaders in your church? And five, ask your dad or mom who your elder and deacon are and pray for them. Hebrews 13, verse 7, this is the word of God. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, our God, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth that you've given to us. We know that we can trust your word and even in simple statements like this, Lord, we can learn so much about what you desire for your people. And so we pray that you would speak to us tonight through this one simple verse. We know that there's so much more around it that's so important and valuable. But tonight, Lord, we ask you to help us to understand, Lord, help us to receive from you tonight. And so please bless the preaching of your word. Please minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God has always provided leaders for his people, leaders for his church, to watch over them, to instruct them, and to serve his people. In Bible history, there are some really bad leaders and there are some really good ones. Tonight, we're told, along with the original readers of Hebrews, to focus on the good ones. But when we do that, inevitably, we'll have to remind ourselves that there can be some bad ones as well. But the readers encouraged to remember those who ministered well, those who ministered well to them, those leaders, those who went before them that had an immediate impact on their faith. Now, consensus is that this verse is focusing on those who have already gone into glory. Remember them, remember what their lives were like, etc. They've already gone into glory. Now, further in Hebrews, a little later, we're going to address the issue of current leaders, living leaders that they were working with and how that looks for us as well. But look back on those leaders who had an immediate impact on your faith. And so we'll we'll stay in that place when we look at this passage, but it's also right for us to consider as we're absorbing what's being said here, the leaders that we remember in our lives who've had an impact on us, especially spiritually, to help us grow, to help us learn. Uh, Not just leaders, certainly, there are many people, Sunday school teachers, parents, grandparents that have impacted us, but here in particular, focusing on a special group of leaders Leaders can have an amazing impact on a church. Some can have a terrible impact on a church. I've seen that myself. Others can have a great impact on a church and the individuals in the church. There can be really bad leaders. If you remember back in Israel, there were many who were bad leaders. They were called shepherds. They were supposed to be shepherds feeding the flock, taking care of the flock, protecting the flock, all those things shepherds do, but they failed. And they failed miserably because they were self-absorbed and they were corrupted. We read about that in, in Ezekiel. I want to read just a little bit from the prophet Jeremiah, because God promises, as we read there, he promises that there will be a shepherd that will come, but there's also going to be other shepherds over the flock. But here, just in Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. You have three things going on if we take the Ezekiel passage in this passage. We have the bad shepherds who are going to lose their privilege of being over God's people. We have one good shepherd. The Lord says he will be the shepherd of the people, but then there will also be shepherds over the people as well. We would see them as under shepherds under the great shepherd. Turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We can enter the beauty of this passage. We won't read the whole thing. It's a wonderful passage about our good shepherd. And we'll pick up in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. We'll just stop there. But Jesus is making it clear that he is that good shepherd. He is the shepherd of Psalm 23. He is the perfect shepherd that was promised back through the prophets. And so he's the prime shepherd. He's the main shepherd. And the thing that the shepherd does is he lays his life down for the sheep. But then he also mentions what other shepherds are like, and if they're bad shepherds, they're not caring about the flock, they're protecting themselves and caring for themselves. But there are good good under shepherds, good leaders to follow. And good leaders will follow Christ. They'll follow the good shepherd. That's what it's all about. They'll imitate the Lord Jesus. In our passage the author is concerned about three specific things about good leaders that they're to look back upon. I put them this way, they're people of the, they're men of the word, they're men of faith, and they bear fruit. They're men of the word, they're men of faith, and their lives bear fruit. They're worthy leaders. And so we might have in mind the apostles, the disciples, preachers, teachers, elders, uh, leaders in particular, again, not exclusively, but that's the focus here. And so the people of the Hebrew church, Hebrew church, are to remember them. Remember the good and faithful ones, write off the bad ones. They're no good. God casts them out. They're no longer to be shepherds over you. Don't ever follow them. They do the opposite of what good shepherds need to do according to these three things. They they twist the word or they don't preach the word. They don't have a genuine faith and the fruit of their life reveals the fact that they're not good shepherds after all, but there are good shepherds. Remember them, remember the good and faithful ones. And I would say that this remembering means remember them deeply. Remember those deeply who bless the church and those in particular who impacted your faith. I say deeply because this idea of remembering isn't isn't just saying, oh, I remember that, or, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot about that, or, oh, that's right, or it's not just fondly recollecting someone that maybe was a good friend, remembering the good times you had with them, but this remembrance is much deeper, much more intimate. It's a kind of remembrance that has an impact on us. Think about the way that the Lord uses the word remember throughout scripture there are different ways to use it but one primary way is when the lord says i will remember my covenant with you now if god were just saying oh yeah i remember what i promised you years ago and i won't forget that it wouldn't really have an impact on us but god is saying no i've bound myself to you when i remember my covenant with you there's action and that gives us comfort because he acts on it I will remember my covenant. When somebody prays, as a psalmist prays, remember me, O Lord. He's not just saying, well, don't forget that I'm here. He's saying, impact my life. Help me where I need help. Strengthen me where I need strength. Heal me where I need healing. All those things. Remember me, Lord. God says, remember you were slaves. He's not just saying, oh yeah, remember those old days you were slaves. No, remember you were slaves and you were delivered and you were saved. You get, you get the idea Remember my commands. Remember the Sabbath day. Jesus, when he gives the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. We understand that 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 symbolism, that remembrance is far more than just the items of the bread and the wine. But they, they bring us to a spiritual remembrance of what was done for us in the past, but impacts us now. So that's the idea of remembrance here. So remember them remember what it was that impacted you the most positive way for your faith, for your Christian faith. And the first thing is going to be whoever it was spoke the word of truth to you. Somewhere along the line, wherever it was, whether it was from your infancy or later in life, someone spoke the truth. They brought the gospel to you. These Hebrew believers heard the gospel from someone who was faithful. Remember that. Remember what you heard. Remember how profound that was. Remember how that impacted your life. They were true to the word. They were sound teachers. And because of their faithfulness to bringing you the word, you have faith. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And someone brought you the gospel. So number one, they spoke the truth. Number two, they had a grasp on the faith not just the faith in the systematic doctrinal sense of the word, but they actually knew what faith was. They lived faith. You could watch them and see that they trusted the Lord, sometimes through some very trying times, some very difficult times, but they displayed faith. They showed what it looked like to rely on the Lord. You know, people like that. They brought you the word. They taught you the word. You looked at their lives and you recognized that they realized they weren't their own, but that they belonged to their Savior and they trusted in Him. And third, the fruit. They display good fruit. Observe the outcome of their faith. I only put two in your outline. If you want to add those, if you're taking, add some if you want to take notes. I actually have five, I'll move through them rather quickly. So don't worry about that but the first one is their godly conduct the second one is their christ-like character tied together the third one is the spread of the gospel the fourth one is suffering and death and the fifth one's glory glory the outcome of their faith so the first outcome of their faith the pr- first proof of their faith was their godly conduct Frankly, we shouldn't care if someone has all their doctrinal ducks in a row and even publicly displays some kind of faith, but their character and their conduct is sinful. And so their conduct is going to be in line with that which is godly and pleasing in God's sight. The second one is Christ-like character, and they're so close together, but what do Christ-like characters, ch- characters look like? First of all, they're imitating Christ, but they're also imitating Christ in their ability to lead. Now, no one will measure up to the leadership of Christ. All leaders fall short. All leaders, even the best leaders, have weaknesses. But nonetheless, God ordains leaders to be models for his people. And again they have the truth. They have faith. They'll bear good fruit. But but what exactly does a true true leader look like according to Christ? Turn with me to John chapter 13. Beginning of verse 7. This setting is Jesus washing the disciples feet. And there's an awful lot going on in this passage. But I want to highlight here. Jesus comments about what a true leader looks like. Remember, he's washing the disciples' feet, some leaders in the church. Jesus answered them, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to know what true leadership looks like if you want to see what true leadership in the kingdom of god looks like it looks an awful lot like foot washing it looks an awful lot like service and so part of that christian character will be humble service to other believers and so godly conduct christ-like character but they'll be used for spreading the gospel because godly leaders are people of the word and they're going to teach the word and they're going to preach the word and they're going to share the word And so that word will spread and will impact others. And we can testify to that if we believe someone did that for us. Fourth, and this is something that the Hebrew church would certainly need to understand, was that part of the outcome of their faith was suffering. Part of the outcome of their faith, many of them, was death. And the hebrew church is under pressure and there's persecution coming and they had to recognize that there was there was a cost to count and one of the main objectives of the writers of hebrews writer of hebrews is to encourage them to persevere in the faith no matter what with all the challenges all the temptations even in the face of death persevere and they needed to know and remember those who were faithful to the word who had godly character that part of the outcome of their faithfulness was suffering and sometimes martyrdom but there's a very important aspect of that because there's another outcome of their faith and that's glory that's glory Because when they were faithful and whether they suffered or not, but even those who suffered and died and even those who didn't enter the presence of God at the end and the outcome of their faith, first of all, trusting and believing in Christ as their savior and then running the race. The outcome ultimately is to stand before the throne of grace and see Jesus face to face. And so as the writer of Hebrews often did already, he sets our eyes higher than the things of this earth and the things that we experience now. And so those who have gone before us faithful hear Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. The outcome of their faith has many aspects to it and the ultimate end is glory. Well, again, the Hebrews needed to remember that for inspiration. They had to remember that their lives were witnesses for Christ, that witnessing for Christ may prompt suffering, and be worthy of suffering, and to consider what lies ahead. Well, another thing that the author says is imitate them. Don't just remember them in the sense of, yeah, they were profound, yeah, they had a profound impact on my life, but imitate them, model them. So many good examples of of role models, and there are bad ones out there as well. Sadly, tremendous damage can be done by bad role models, but wonderful things can be done with good role models. With the bad ones, the abusive, manipulative, ridden with error, hypocrites. As with error... Sometimes the disciples of those who follow bad character are even worse than their teachers. But again, we're looking at the positive. And so we look at the good examples, good examples to follow. Remember them. Remember them. Remember, they taught you the truth. They displayed faith. They bore fruit in their lives. That's a message there for for all of us, as it was for them. But it's also a message in there for current leaders to be worthy of, being followed, be worthy of being mimicked, which is the word that's used here. When he says follow their example, that's where we get our word mimic, mimic them, imitate them, imitate it when it's good. Imitate their devotion to the word, imitate their display of faith, imitate their focus and the fruit of their life, and follow their example. Now in turn, we're to serve as examples as well we're to be models for others and so there's a full turnaround we look at the models for us we follow their example we become models for others mimic mimic kids children will follow the examples that we set before them as parents as people of the church and as leaders and we can have a bad influence on them or we can have a good influence on them children will mimic in a fun way sometimes putting on little plays pretending to be parents or pretending to be teachers or other professionals mimicking the ways of some sports characters when when i was a kid foolishly we would play army and we would mimic people who were really over in vietnam fighting But we were mimicking what they were doing. Some even mimic pastors playing church. Children, if you do that, please be kind to your pastor. But we're to serve as models, we'll we'll be followed. Whether we're leaders or whether we're people in the church, we will be watched, especially by those younger than us. We'll leave a legacy we will all leave a legacy of some sort. And hopefully it will be a legacy that inspires other people in the faith that we cherish and that we hold. The life that inspires our actions, the way we handle our faith, even the way we deal with struggles and trials, will be an example to others after us. Even after we leave this place, And we stand in glory. We can only hope that when anybody reflects back on our lives, they can say they impacted me for the good of my soul. They were living testimony then, and now as I remember them, it impacts my soul now. It impacts my life. But may it be a testimony of life that doesn't so much highlight us. But that points to Jesus. Because that's really what we're all about. May God grant us the grace to be those Christ-like examples for those who who are watching us now. And who will one day look back and hopefully by the grace of God appreciate our devotion to the one who saved our souls so they'll be inspired to live for him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the mercy that you've shown to us. Lord, you, by your grace, had someone in our life, maybe many people in our lives, who cared enough about us to teach us your word, to teach us the truth of the gospel. We thank you that you've set before us in our lives good examples of what it means to live for you. We've seen people bear good fruit, and we rejoice to know that many of those who have gone before us, people that we knew, people that were faithful, are now standing in your presence, rejoicing and worshiping you. We thank you so much for them. First and foremost, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that great shepherd of the sheep. Lord, we also pray that in light of what's been done for us in Christ, And in light of the examples that you set out for us, that we too would be imitators of Christ, that we would follow good examples and be used for your glory to all who would observe our lives, especially the younger ones who watch so closely what their forefathers and mothers in the faith are like and who they trust, what they believe, and what they look forward to. Grant us that grace, we pray. In Jesus' name. For closing hymn is hymn number five hundred and ninety-nine.